Thank you for joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock. Mariana Ramirez began her music studies at the National Conservatory of Mexico in Mexico City. She went on to receive her Bachelor's of Music in Percussion at Rutgers University. She's performed in Europe, Asia, and Mexico, playing with Mexican traditional music bands, symphonic ensembles, chamber orchestras, and pop bands. As a symphonic percussionist, Mariana has performed with orchestras in Mexico and the United States, including the National Symphony of Mexico, Dartmouth Symphony, South Florida Symphony, the First All-Women Orchestra of Mexico, New England Ensemble, Fairfield Orchestra, and most recently with the Desoff Choir, premiering works for choir and orchestra at Alice Tully Hall. She started subbing on Broadway at Once on This Island. It led to subbing for two more Broadway shows, Head Over Heels and Ain't Too Proud. Off-Broadway shows that she's played include Merrily We Roll Along, Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish, and many others. She later went on the first national tour with the drums and percussion chair of Broadway's Once on This Island. Mariana is now the percussionist at Six, the musical. Welcome to Broadway Drumming 101. My guest today is Mariana Ramirez. Nice to see you. Hi, Clayton. How are you? Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. I'm so glad that you're you're here and I have a lot of uh, things to ask you. And, you know, like I said in the uh, pre-recording process, I have some questions about you uh, being from another country. It's it's fascinating for myself to find people that have come from different countries and started fresh in, in the United States and risen to the top of their profession like yourself. What made you decide to leave Mexico. So you're originally from Mexico City or what what part of Mexico are you from? Yeah, I am from Mexico City, uh, born and raised there. All my family is there uh, from pretty much Mexico City and like Mexico State, which is kind of the same area because mm-hmm. it's really, really big. So it's like uh, all together. Um, so what made me leave I guess ambition, (laughs) ambition to like uh, be the best performer I could like to have a good education, um, to learn another language. Um, My dad, uh, he's, my family is not, they're not musicians, but um, my dad studied abroad in Cuba, like before I was born. So I always like kind of grew up of that, with that idea of like, going to study abroad somewhere uh, because it uh, it kind of opens uh, your point of view about everything like experiencing another culture another place to live like all that um, like opens up your mind in general and how you see things so that was my idea first uh, to like get to school and I mean um, it I met Andrew uh, really early like even before I moved to the States. So uh, he helped me to like, um, give me orientation, like where to study and all that. Um, and then- Who's Andrew? Andrew is my husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another percussionist, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
You met him in, in Mexico? We met in Mexico in a gig with uh, um, the Orchestra of Americas. And uh, I actually met other percussionists there. It was Yuri. Uh, I don't know if you know her. Uh, she plays in Tina. Uh, Javier Diaz and Andrew and Nick uh, Canizaro. It was in that gig. And Pete. Uh, so we met in that, and all of them are from New York. So I met them, and I still am in touch with some of them. <laughs> like that was in 2008. So it kind of like you know like opened the opportunity to be like, oh, New York is not a bad um, idea to move to and like go to school. Well, I went to school in New Jersey, but you know the area, and yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> so you you said you your parents aren't musically inclined i mean they like music but they're psychologists so they're not no oh, wow. one in my in my family is a you know professional musician well i have a cousin but uh yeah we didn't like live together or something so it's kind of coincidence that we are into music what made you decide to play uh drums and percussion uh when i was about 11 or 12 my parents took me to see santana in like a place that is bigger than madison square garden in mexico wow so it's open it's not closed it's like a humongous stadium like humongous and the concert was unbelievable like uh they had like three percussionists and a drummer and like a humongous band and then santana and like Everyone was going crazy. I never seen so many people together, like going insane. And that really got me. I was like, this is just unbelievable. I would see the faces of people like just so happy and like, and also me like, like listening to the music and the percussionists. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Wow. And since then I was like, I mean, it took me a lot of years because I was 12 and I didn't start studying until I was like, 18 or 17 um, and uh, so it took like a while to like for me to start playing but I knew that like that was what I wanted to do did you did you want to actually play in a band like that or because I know you went to Rutgers eventually and you did a lot of percussion ensemble stuff did you have the goal of you know I want to be in a band like in Santana one day or did you say I just want to play drums no matter where I wind up. Well, at the beginning, I wanted to uh, like be part of a, like that band or a band like that, or like in Latin music, like that's my like favorite uh, style. But then, you know, like when I started studying music professionally, uh, I was already old. So they were like, <laughs> you're too old. Uh, but anyway, I was in a, like, I guess that's when you start thinking like, okay, maybe I'm old, but I don't have as much time as before uh, to like experiment or like, what's the best business move, you know? Because like, at least that's how, what I thought, because I was like, okay, so I don't have so many years to like go around and try things. And eventually this is gonna be my life and I'm gonna have to, you know, make it by myself. So what's the best way to go? And I decided to go to orchestra percussion and also gigging in Mexico as a woman back then, it was not the easiest. Like it's not, you know, my parents were like, we support you, but it's gonna be hard for you to like go to bars and like 
festivals or whatever by yourself. Um, because I was also pretty young and I don't know, uh, I'm just like a family girl. So, um, but things can happen though, like, you know, uh, it's not like here. So nothing happened, but you have to be just careful. And so also that and like, you know, I didn't grow up in a family with music. So it's what it was presented to me. It was the orchestral percussion and like eventually I won an orchestral position and stuff. So that's why I just went through that, um, that path for them because now my path is different. But at that point, at that moment, that's what happened. So you want an or orchestral position where? In, in, in Mexico? Yeah, in Mexico. I was in a, like a, like some an orchestra similar to the New World here in the States. Something like, like that orchestra, but in Mexico. Uh, that's called Carlos Chavez. So um, I, I won that position in 2009. So you had a, was it an audition or? Yeah. So what did you have to do to prepare for that? Oh man, I prepared a year for that audition. Um, so it was like every day, like a marathon. Like I remember like practicing like three, five hours every single day at least uh, for that audition. Uh, so you have to, you know, play snare drum, like orchestral excerpts, uh, glockenspiel tambourine, uh, triangle bass drum, marimba, xylophone, like it's a whole list of excerpts that you uh, work through and you like have to play it pretty much perfect like in just one shot uh, and in this orchestra because in Mexico we don't have that many orchestras people from all over the country comes to well it's similar here also like people over, all from over the country goes and takes the auditions so yeah I was lucky I mean I worked my ass off for the whole year exactly. but I got it yeah I got it um, so they just choose like two or three from that audition from all the people that go and make the audition um so yeah i got it did that prepare you for your admission process to rutgers definitely first of all that was my first orchestra audition in mexico because it was like my third or fourth year of actually studying like for real um so yes definitely at that Actually, almost at the same time, I applied for Rutgers. So what I did in the orchestra, I kind of, I didn't do exactly the same, but I took some of that for my audition and the process in Rutgers, and I got a scholarship. So that year was really, really good. Like, I, I have learned to like, if I'm working in one project, be able to use that one project to different things. Like, you just like, mold, like, change it or adapt it to whatever is coming next without like starting over um so that's what i did um for my audition in Rutgers. so i had to choose like i want both and another scholarship in mexico and they're like you cannot have everything you have to choose <laughs> so i chose uh Rutgers. okay now why Rutgers and not Juilliard or someplace in France or someplace in Great Britain or Italy? Well, Europe is too far and there's no good <laughs> Mexican food. <laughs> like, I mean, there might be good, but it's like not everywhere. And here, like, there's tacos number one, you know, on 43rd, and those are my favorite. 
Um, so that was a big wait. The taco, yeah. the taco place in between like Eighth and Ninth on Forty Third, I think. Yeah, it's on the north side. Eighth and Broadway. It's like in front of Harry Potter. Oh the really? Theater of Harry Potter. Yeah, that those are some of the best tacos here. Really? Oh man. Oh yeah. Okay. Is you know I. Is it you know I <laughs> over the past couple episodes I have this tendency to go off on a tangent so here's another tangent alert <laughs> tacos <laughs> yes. I love I love tacos I'm sorry I love tacos Mexican food is one of my favorite foods on the planet but in in certain places you just don't want to eat tacos like in Connecticut <laughs> <laughs> no and and I went to some other place. I forgot where I went. I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. I just got to know. I, I have places that I that I know to go to, and I know that they're authentic. And I tried fish tacos outside of of uh, San Diego and, and certain parts of L.A., and it was just like, no, I can't do that. So I'm very picky with tacos, <laughs> just like I'm sure yeah. you are. You yeah. can't just go to any old place. So. Well, you will be surprised though, because when I, when I was on tour, we were in San Paul, and a friend of mine on, on tour, uh, he's not Mexican, but he was like, oh, these tacos are really good. And I'm like, really? Like, it's like all full of snow, it's so cold. Like, how am I going to find tacos here? They were one of the best. <laughs> Where was so this again? I was in San Paul. Um, uh, mm. So I was so. so I, my mind blew because in Minneapolis, wow! Yeah, they were wow. one of the best tacos I ever I had in the states. Like even better than the ones in New York. What? Yeah, I was like, how is this possible? But yeah. <laughs> so back to the forty-third uh, between Broadway and Eighth, North Side of the Street, South Side. Uh, left side, <laughs> next to uh, a place of sushi, like right in front. Oh, uh, really? of the Harry Potter theater, like okay. right in front. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. There's Except always a line there. So. Okay. And they make their handmade tortillas, which is they're really good. <laughs> all right. Now back to drumming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I love food. <laughs> uh, so again, uh, <laughs> Europe was too far. And they don't have good tacos in, in, in Italy. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I don't yeah, think you know, we don't that know. many. Yeah. Yes. So you chose Rutgers. Now, why Rutgers and not some other music school? Right. Um, well, because I did a late audition. So, again, um, at that point, Andrew, my husband, was, uh, like, helping me, like, you know, like, there's this school, there's that school and stuff. So I always wanted to go to MSM because one of the timbal, uh, timpani players in Mexico, Gabriela Jimenez, she studied with Duncan Patton in MSM. So there's that, like, everyone knows, well, I mean, they know each other from MSM in Mexico. So I always wanted to go there. But at the time I applied, it was too late. Like, it was, I think it was April. So actually I applied and Andrew mentioned like, well, maybe it's not going to work out this year because it might be too late and they might already have given the scholarships and stuff, but try it anyway. So I did. I was like, yeah, maybe this is not going to happen. Plus, how am I going to move to another country in a couple of months? Right. So anyway, I'm just going to try. And I tried 
and I got the scholarship that I exactly needed because it's really expensive to study here as a Mexican because you know the exchange rate is like one dollar equals 19 pesos so if you make that conversion is a lot is super expensive um, so anyway I make I made my budget uh, and I was like I need this much for a scholarship I have this much because I always had scholarships in Mexico and I saved all that money for like three four years because mm. I always wanted to study abroad so I always like kept it with that on mind of like one day I'm gonna go and I need that so I had that and then my parents helped too so I was like I remember when I told my parents and I pretty much had a like yeah a sheet with I need this money blah 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 like a whole plan and I was like here's my plan um this is what I got for a scholarship uh can I go and they were like yeah I mean yeah so I went and um yeah, so I moved, and then also, uh, so I got accepted. Why I didn't get to other schools because I applied late, and because I got the scholarship there. People, when people get to either college or you know coming to New York City, and they are star musician and wherever they come from, and then they get around a bunch of other people that are just as good. Did you find? that you were intimidated and how did you handle that? Or did you feel like, Oh my God, there's so many great musicians. Let me just learn from everybody. Were you intimidated or were you inspired? I think both. I was super intimidated for other things like language. Like I, I always knew English, but moving here, man, everyone talks so fast. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? Like, can you just like slow down a little bit? And like, yeah, it was hard. Like, I knew English. Like, I mean, you have to take tests and, like, they don't just let you come here and, like, oh, good luck. No, it's, like, a whole process of not only music. So, um, yeah, that was one of the things that I remember, like, something that I really miss all, like, a lot of years was to tell jokes because I really like to tell jokes and I couldn't tell them because I didn't have, you, you know, like, the way to translate it fast in my mind, I just couldn't. So I would be like, think about a joke in Spanish and I'm like, oh, I can say it because I don't know how to say it. Um, so yeah, that's intimidating. Like when, when you know, you cannot like communicate right away and fast and everything is so fast paced here that, oh man, it's, it's hard. Like I remember having like headaches every day because like I was like thinking so hard um so i was intimidated for the cultural shock because it's completely different like so what, what's what's the biggest difference between mexico city and well mexico city and rutgers is a big difference but mexico city and new york city tell me what the big cultural differences are well i love new york so um i really like from here that there's people from everywhere like um, I have the chance to meet people from many cultures and play with people with many from many cultures. So that's so cool. We don't have that in Mexico. In Mexico, we're pretty much all Mexicans. And yeah, there's like people from other countries more now. But growing up, we don't really have that. Like we don't have much diversity. Uh, I mean, our culture is very diverse, but not from other cultures, you know. So mm -hmm. that's a huge difference. Um, 
Mexico is like two or three times bigger than New York. So you have to really know how to move around. And that's something I used to love. Like I drive a lot. Uh, I used to drive a lot. And I will have friends in many different like places of the city. And I was really proud because my mom would be like, hey, I have to go to this part of the city. How do I get there? And I would be like, oh yeah, like you take this and that and blah, blah, blah. So that's like a really good skill to have in Mexico. We didn't have GPS back then. So you just have to remember how to get there. And, but also that like when I have traveled to other countries, that kind of idea helped me a lot because you just figure it out. Like maybe you don't even know, you know, the language or something and you get where you have to go. So there's some skills that I learned in Mexico that you can apply in the whole world, like the driving, because if you drive in Mexico City, you can drive in pretty much everywhere, even in Cambodia. <laughs> and yeah, no, for sure, for real. And okay, how, what's, uh, Cam what's Cambodia like? Have you been there? Well, yeah, there's no, well, in the part that I was, um, they're not uh, red light or green light. It's like everybody for everybody. So you have really? to go like, shoo, shoo, like, oh stop, stop, shoo. You know, it's like a video wow. game. Uh, but nobody crashes. <laughs> it's insane. Nobody crashes. I don't know if you've seen videos online that everyone is, is like yes. that. It's wow. like that. Uh, Mexico is not so much like that, but sometimes. <laughs> so there's situations that maybe the light doesn't work and then you have to do that but it's not like all the time it's like once in a while but it's a good preparation <laughs> so is is new york city that much faster paced than mexico city yeah definitely in mexico city or in mexico we still make time like you know on the weekends to like get together as a family and like have the breakfast with, with the grandparents and uh, see your cousins and maybe it's not every weekend but as often as possible or like at night there's always parties like there's always like oh there's a birthday we're gonna get together and then you get together and like there's so everybody works a lot but there's also time to like get together with family and friends and that's a very important like thing for us um, and here Sometimes you're so busy that there's no time for that. Um, so, yeah. Do you uh, try to incorporate some of those uh, customs into your life here in the United States? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some, like, especially in Christmas time, we have, like, the tricking days that we get together to, like, cut the traditional, like, bread uh, in September. Yeah, it's just the idea of just getting together once in a while, like share a meal, like talk and like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I try to do that as much as possible. And when you get together, I'm sure you have really good tacos. <laughs> yeah, well, not only tacos, like uh, Andrew, actually, we spent three months in Mexico in COVID and he learned how to make huevos rancheros. Mm. Uh, from like salsa from scratch and handmade tortillas. Mm. So now he's yeah like flour, yeah, no. flour or corn? Corn. Mm. Yeah. So he's a really good cook, and yeah, when we get together, we try to do different things. Like if it's breakfast, we have rancheros or chilaquiles. 
and other friends are from other parts of Mexico and they cook more seafood and like ceviche and aguachile and like pasta with yeah <laughs> sorry I love food <laughs> I, I, I'm about to hang up I'm about to go get some food right now. <laughs> sounds yeah. so good I love Mexican food I'm sorry we uh, love food too <laughs> back to drumming again yes <laughs> Maybe we should do a podcast about yeah, about food. <laughs> yeah. well, I tell you, your colleague uh, Elena is Elena. A, a, yeah. Oh my God, we talked about Italian food. Man, we should just. I, I, I think I said this on her podcast, like having some kind of potluck where all these drummers that I'm talking to, we get together and just bring our favorite dish, and we'll talk drums and food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I see Elena every day at the show and we're always talking about food. And when we go out to eat or something, we like look at the menu the day before and like we think <laughs> what we're going to order. And it's like, hey, have you seen this like this uh, dish? And it's like, looks so good. I know what I'm going to get tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We're like, into that. yeah, that's great. That's great. We'll get to six in a minute, folks. We'll get to the big time. <laughs> right now we're, we're 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 going over food and and rutgers and so you <laughs> you got to rutgers you got your degree and uh what was the the focus at at rutgers Orchestral it was orchestral as well uh but i started studying with javier diaz there um he does the afro-cuban ensemble there and um so that's when, when I finally I was like, oh, this is what I really like. Um, but yeah, my idea was to uh, continue in orchestral percussion to go back to Mexico because also those three years I started getting called to play with like uh, the Orquesta de Minería, which is a summer orchestra, but it's really, really good orchestra there. Uh, and the National Symphony and like they used to fly me back to like teach uh, orchestral stuff so I was like yeah if I just go back like my idea was to I'll make a degree here and go back and get a better orchestra uh, but I fell in love and I got married <laughs> so I stayed here um, and I'm happy that I did that uh, I made that decision so also, in those years in Rutgers, I realized that to be uh, working in New York, you have to play as many things as possible, like styles, instruments, and all that. And then is when I decided that, well, if I'm going to stay here, I have to, you know, start doing other things, like not only orchestra. And honestly, I didn't have the money to pursue an orchestra career. Um, it's a lot of money. And it was hard, like as a Mexican here, uh, it's hard. So that was another business decision I made, <laughs> but I'm so glad I made. Um, and yeah, so it was, my background, it was in orchestra. I spent a lot of time on that. But then once I finished school, I started changing to like other things, like playing with bands. I always play with a band though, like before my studies in Mexico, I had a, I used to play with a cover band, like we played rock, like Soda Stadium and like Latin American rock, which was really cool. So I played that before. Um, so after school, I kind of started doing that kind of stuff again. Uh, and musicals, I'm like everything I could do. <laughs> well, when you, you said that you used to drive all the time when you were in Mexico City and, and other places and your driving skills are 
are top notch. Did you have a car when you came to Rutgers or afterwards? No, no, I didn't have anything. Like I had two suitcases. That was it. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, I don't even have. I didn't even have a lot of sticks or mallets or. Uh, yeah, nope. I didn't have a car. <laughs> <laughs> did you eventually get one? Do you drive we now? Did. Now, thank God, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I didn't have a car all those years in school. Um, I, I went a lot back and forth. Like Andrew lived in New York and I lived in New Jersey. Uh, just buses and subways and all that stuff. Uh, and then we got married and our first year when we got married, we got a car. Yeah, because I was teaching in New Jersey, so I had to like go back and forth a lot. Um, so yeah, until then, until 2013, and I moved here 2010. So you stayed here and you started playing in different groups. And what was the thing that, uh, I know that you were doing some, uh, things that you founded, like the percussion quartet Excelsius. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so I finished school and all that, and I remember I was sitting one day, like watching videos of, you know, so percussion and different ensembles that are so good. And I was like, they're amazing, but there's no girls. Like, why aren't there girls? Like, it's not even mixed, it's just like guys. So I was like, uh, maybe that should change. <laughs> so I, um, I just had the idea of making the quartet and I knew Marcelina from before, like years before. I knew Aya because her husband went to Rutgers doing her, his PhD at the same time I was an undergrad. Um, so I knew Aya and Marcelina invited Clara and I reached out to them and I said, I think we should, I want to make a quartet. Um, I just think we should, you know, do something different uh, and I mean there's such good musicians so we got together and we had one uh, rehearsal and then we're like oh yeah we actually like each other a lot <laughs> so uh, it worked out and then we performed our, our first concert in the day of percussion in NYU uh, that year I think it was yeah maybe 2013-14 something like that um, and since then, we've been together having really cool adventures and cool gigs. So, yeah, like um, now, now Marcelina is in New World Symphony, Aya is in New Heaven Symphony, and uh, Clara, she's not part of the ensemble, but we just got, um, we just invited Britton Matthews. Uh, an amazing solo solo player, and so we're getting ready for next season. Uh, where where did the name Excelsius come from? Excelsis, sorry. Excelsis, it's a Latin word, worth, and means uh, in the highest. So when I was thinking about the ensemble, uh, I was looking and thinking for names, and something that I was like, well, I, ha I need a word that is kind of universal because we all speak different languages in Samoa. Like Marcelina speaks Polish, Aya speaks Japanese, I speak Spanish, and Britain speaks English. Everybody speaks English, but mostly all of us are from other countries. And like we grew up in other countries and came here. 
So, and it's actually funny because we all have different accents and sometimes we don't understand each other. <laughs> but, but at the end, we always understand each other, but it's a lot of fun. And um, so I was like, Latin is the root of like pretty much all the languages. Like all the languages come from Latin and it's something universal. Uh, so I was like looking for a good meaning and then the word, um, and Excelsis was the one. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. You have also done stuff for the not only for the National Symphony of Mexico, the Dartmouth Symphony, South mm-hmm. Florida Symphony, and the first women's orchestra of Mexico. Yeah. That's amazing, and the New York Ensemble Fairfield Orchestra. It's a lot of a lot of great stuff you've done since then. Was this all after Rutgers or? Yeah, yeah, pretty much okay. everything. I mean, South Florida was during Rutgers. Uh, the orchestras in Mexico, I played with them during Rutgers. Uh, so I guess half and half, yeah. And what is the Desoff Choir? This of choir is a choir that they put together to uh, premiere new works for choir and orchestra. And they make really cool recordings. And um, they, the last time I played with them, in, I think it was Alice Tulejo, uh, we premiere, it was a piece by a Cuban composer with orchestra. So it's like new works, like contemporary, you know, like mixing styles and cultures. What was your introduction to Broadway and who basically connected you into the whole matrix of Broadway drumming? Well, um, Andrew was, Andrew is a guilty one. Well, yeah, like in Mexico, I didn't know much about musical theater because we didn't have pretty much anything. And the only thing I knew about musical theater was uh, the movie of Phantom of the Opera, like the old one. And I came to New York uh, even before I actually moved. And Andrew took me to see Phantom, but on Broadway. It's completely different to watch a movie and to watch a show. So when I saw the show, I was like, oh, this is Broadway. You know, like there was no comparison with the movie and the show, even if it's not, you know, my favorite show, but it was the first one that I ever saw on Broadway. So I was like, wow, that makes sense. It's really cool. And then we went to like time after we saw Lion King. And that's when I was like, this is just amazing. Like I could do this. Like I would love to do this. it took a lot of years for me to get there, uh, but um, because I was like trying to keep in the orchestra world and like that kind of stuff, but uh, I wasn't, you know, I was figuring it out like what I wanted to like do after school. But then, um, I mean, I started, you know, meeting percussionists and drummers, some of them from the pit, like I would call them or email them or something and be like, I just want to say hi and see the show. Uh, so I started doing a little bit of that uh, for a while. And until 2018, it, it took years. Um, suddenly, actually, Javier Diaz was the, one, the first one who gave me my first shot on Broadway. 
Oh, he was wow. like, yeah, he was like, hey, I need a sub for once on the sound. You want to come and watch? And I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 finally. And yeah, I went, I saw a show and I learned it and had my first shot. <laughs> was the prep preparation for once on this island subbing there very similar to the preparation to uh, do a audition for a orchestral ensemble mm, no uh, no it's, I think it's completely different um, in Javier's book he made the whole book and he like the way he approached that book it was very unique uh, because he had a hybrid setup and there were a lot of groups and rhythms that he only knows how to do uh, because he put together, you know, a drum set and hand drums. So there's nothing written about that or like a method for that or, you know, like, so I had to like learn the whole thing, like listening, watching and like, like figuring all out. When you're getting ready for an audition, everything is written down. And yeah, you have to listen to recordings. And yes, of course, you have to like put your like part of your musicianship, but every pretty much everything is written down. And on Broadway, you know that that's not the case. <laughs> uh, so some things are written down, but a lot it has to do with the player. Um, which is also so cool. Like, I really like that. Um, and I'm so glad I now do this because it's just different. But yeah, it, I mean, it helps you, I guess, to uh, learn how to, to know how to learn a book, like maybe this part, then this part, then this part, to organize your, your approach. That helps in the, like, getting ready for auditions because you have to organize yourself and your mind because you have so much to cover. Um, but it's a different thing. Did you... <laughs> Usually when people sub on shows, it's a very, very stressful uh, uh, time. Were you, like most other people, stressed out right before the show and or did you did you were you so confident that you were like you know I got this this is nothing well first of all I memorized the whole thing so I was like I mean I was reading the music but if the music fell down I could keep going or you know like that kind of stuff because I thought in every single possibility that could go wrong because you know you just have one shot and it was my first shot and you know it's not like or maybe something happened, this, but we know she's good. No, like nobody knew me. So it was my first shot. Uh, so I, I practiced so hard and tried to like, I learned pretty much everything by memory. So if anything went wrong, I could like be ready to it. Um, and I'm so glad I did that. So yeah, I was, and also like trying to sound as, uh, as close as Javier because there were some like, there were some even improvisation parts in that show and like the rhythms were just so key of the whole show because it's like an Afro-Cuban show so it's only one drummer and I tried to like play as close as what Javier was doing um, but yeah that day I was very nervous <laughs> and because we were on top of a truck we were on stage so you have to like 
get on like uh, stairs, but it's like a ladder. It's not even stairs. You had to climb a ladder. So first of all, walk into the sand. Then get to the ladder, climb the ladder. Like make sure that I don't trip in the guitar and the bass because it was like small and I'm really clumsy. So, so that was like, okay. So there, and then, you know, like once you're there, you're on stage. Uh, and it's your only shot and you see the people and it was great. I was very nervous, but I was really excited too. It was like, have you jumped from the bungee? No. Or parachute or something? No, no, but I, I, I've always wanted to and I know a lot of people who have and they say how exciting and, and exhilarating it is. Have you done it that? It was that. I just <laughs> did the bungee, yeah. I did really? bungee once, yeah. Uh, it was like that. It was like, I really want to do this. It's so like, <gasps> and then you go and whew, it's amazing. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Now, usually when people do shows and they sub at shows and they knock the first show out of the park, they're like, yeah, I did it. I got it. I remember my first show. I was like, I'm so proud of myself. I, I subbed the show. And the second show, you're like, I got this. And then the second show doesn't go as well as the first. And you start making mistakes because you, you think you got it. But I don't know. Have you had that experience? or? Yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, after the first show, that's one of the things that Javier told me. He was like, you did great, but the second show is always the hardest. And I'm so glad he said that uh, because I, I wouldn't know. Um, and yeah, so again, I just, you know, I kept practicing and be ready uh, for the next show and the next show went really well. I mean, yeah, it was, but thankfully because, yeah, somebody advised me <laughs> to do that. So I was lucky. Yeah. So you did Once on this Island and did you do any other shows uh, outside of that or was Ain't Too Proud? the next one that you did with Javier, or did you do any other subbing any place else? Um, after that, I think I did Head Over Heels on mm. drum set uh, for Dina. So I was subbing that one. And How did you meet Dina? Dina Toriello, by the way. Yeah, Dina. Uh, I love her. Um, nice. Great. She's great, yeah. Um, and my friend Andres Ferrer, uh, from Hamilton. <laughs> Andres from Hamilton, yes. Yes, he's going to kill me. Okay. Well, Andres, uh, we're good friends, uh, and he knew that Dina was looking for subs, so he put me in touch with her, and um, then, yeah, that's how. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. And then um, after that, Hidi from Once on Isalan, the guitar player, uh, he put me in touch with Jana, another drummer. She was playing uh, Mary Lee We Roll Along off Broadway. Uh, so I saw for Jana. And then I was playing Fiddler on the Roof. So at some point I was doing like three shows at the same time, uh, wow. solving three shows. And after that, I, w I got the Once on Isalan tour. Uh, oh, well, Into Proud, and then once on this island tour. And then I went on tour, I came back, and then six. <laughs> She's putting up six fingers who, for people that are just listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, which brings us to the musical six. How did you get connected into that? Oh, my God. It's one of the... 
maybe one of the few things good from COVID. <laughs> no, so honestly. Um, so first of all, I wasn't part of SIX before when they were going to open because I was on tour with Once on this Island, like before COVID uh, hit. So I was on tour. I was so excited for Elena. I knew Elena before. Um, that she had her show and I heard amazing things from the show so I'm, I was really happy for them uh, but I was on tour <laughs> so um, COVID hit uh, you know everything closed down I went to Mexico for almost a year <clears throat> sorry for almost a year to like uh, to be with my family then I came back and in the summer we were in Williamstown Theater Festival uh, doing uh, another musical <clears throat> and I got a call from Christy and she was like mm, I might call you later for a show and I'm like <clears throat> sorry I am like okay yeah sure yes please call me and I didn't know what was about uh, and then eventually I knew what was about but uh, I got the confirmation that I got the gig like one week or two weeks before so everything was really fast so uh, I came back from Williamstown. I was supposed to go to Ogunquit to play another show. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Am I going to go to Ogunquit? Am I going to stay in New York? Like, I don't know. Like, it was like I had to decide really fast. And uh, at some point, Christy called and was like, you got it. So you have to be, I think, next week, like this day in rehearsals and stuff. And your book is like that. I mean, they sent me the book pretty fast. Um, but yeah, it was really, really fast. Um, and yeah, I got there. Um, we had one rehearsal with the MD, one rehearsal with the band, and I ran the show for my first time in the first preview. <laughs> and that was March 10th of 2020? <laughs> no, no, that was this uh, September. Oh. Oh, yeah, so. Yeah, that was September. So you did it when, when it came back when he came back sorry when he oh, came back okay. Yeah, okay yeah 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 so that's why i say that is one of the good, good things of covid because my book wasn't part of the show before covid and they added me and one more and liz and so thank god yeah i got that opportunity oh that's good that's great yeah. oh before we go into six i want to ask you more about that <laughs> for those who are looking <laughs> at this video there's the lion king behind you and rhythm of the night you didn't tell me about those two did you because they're not mine those are <laughs> andrews andrew subs on lion king he's been subbing there for more than 15 years oh wow okay and rhythm of the night that was his show in australia ah. uh, so he lived uh one or two years in australia so I, I'm not going to show you because I didn't clean my apartment today, but, <laughs> but if I turn around the camera to that side, we have a whole wall of, of, um, shows, of shows. So we have between both of us, we have like 13 shows. So wow. there's like all the wall full of shows, Les Mis in the Heights, Once on the Island, Beetlejuice, Into Proud, Spider-Man, Gentleman's <laughs> oh Guy, Cyrano, Herbert Hills. Yeah. So, tell me what it is that you look for in a sub at your show at 6.
you like what you hear on the show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.substack.com. That's substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. The Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter is your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about playing drums for Broadway musicals. When you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll learn about what it takes to be a successful pit musician with content delivered directly to your email inbox two to three times a week. For $5 a month or $50 a year, you'll have a backstage pass to the world of a Broadway drummer playing on a hit show. As a paying subscriber, you'll receive behind-the-scenes access to the life of a musician who makes a living on Broadway. You'll also be able to read every post, not just those occasional free ones. You'll get access to all newsletter issues in the archives and have an ability to participate in subscriber-only comments and events. If you become a founding member for a gift of only $75, you'll receive discounted private drum lessons and a 25% discount on future promotional products. If you'd like to make a direct contribution to the production of this show, you can reach us at Venmo at Clayton-Craddock, Cash App at Syncopated, that's C-I-N-C-O-P-A-T-E-D, or PayPal at Clayton Craddock. Any amount of support will be appreciated. Thank you for listening. So tell me what it is that you look for in a sub at your show at six. Yeah, well, when I uh, look for somebody to suffer me, uh, I am looking for somebody that uh, is willing to spend the time learning the book uh, very well. Um, my book is a little tricky because it depends everything on the pad. There's a lot of patches that you cannot practice if you are not in the theater. So you will need a lot of time to like go over every single patch for the whole show. So that and also somebody fun that is going to be able to like have good relationships with the rest of the band. And somebody that can bring in some food, correct? Yes. <laughs> and jokes. And jokes. Like, that's one of the requirements. I actually just got a book with 800 jokes. So what, uh, whoever <laughs> sub is there, they can just read it and tell one or two jokes. Is one of their requirements that they have, to, they have to be able to tell a joke? Yep. Well, I tell you, I wouldn't be able to sub for you because I suck <laughs> at telling jokes. <laughs> But you just gotta read it, uh, read them. And I was ridiculed by a lot of people in Memphis the Musical. I'd be like, yeah, so two people walk into a bar, right? And then the guy says to the other guy, hi. And I'm like, oh my God, I just screwed up the whole job. <laughs> <laughs> They're okay. like, boo, boo. <laughs> oh, man, I'm terrible. But when well, I, I don't do, know. Uh-huh, sorry. When I do tell a, a, a good joke, it's good. But you know, I gotta prepare like I'm about to sub. I gotta prepare my jokes the same way I would if I was gonna <laughs> sub a show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one month is one one month of, of of getting ready to tell one joke. <laughs> so uh, one of these days, you got a joke for us right now? Oh man. Um, no, I don't want to put you on the spot. Think of think I mean, of one. If you have one, then tell at the end of the Well, the thing is, like, I don't have them memorized, but I have, like, screenshots, uh, <laughs> like, all the time. Yeah, I do have one. Uh-oh. Are you ready? <laughs> Guy walks into a bar. No, go ahead. No, my jokes are, like, kid jokes. So, it's like, what do you call an illegally parked frog? 
What do you call an illegally parked frog? What? Toad. <laughs> yeah, those are my cow jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add the. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Elena always does that. <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm gonna put that part of the podcast. You'll see. It's gonna, no! I'm, gonna have a, I'm gonna have a laugh track too. <laughs> well, okay. Oh, and applausos because that's like a thing. Claps. Yes. Yeah. Applausos. Exactly. Applausos. <laughs> like, yeah, it's when no one laughs and you're like, okay, applausos. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have the applause sign up too, like flashing, so anyone that's watching this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, so. You know, there are a lot of shows that do have electronics nowadays, and it's, you know, some people have the Ableton setup, which, again, I need to learn because I know that a lot of people have that, and a lot of people have different types of electronics. You have electronics. What exactly do you have in the pit? Yeah, I have a Roland SPD and a MIDI controller, like a keyboard, and... Um, it's a little, I never played a book like this, it's not Ableton, but a lot of the um, sounds that I have on the pad, they have certain kind of delay or a different response that you won't have in a drum set or in, a, in an acoustic percussion instrument. So you have to play with the click, but sometimes kind of be ahead of the click but with the click and with the track so it's really weird feeling of being in a different kind of pocket because it's not like a normal usual pocket it's very confusing um because when you press when you're playing the pad is it doesn't react right away there's always like a short delay and every patch is different so you have to remember which sound which song you have to be on top of the click. With song, you have to be exactly with the click. And with patch, you have to be a little bit like on the back end of the, of the click. So that's been pretty challenging uh, for the subs lately. And it's just something really weird that I never experienced. Um, so, but yeah, it's fun. Once you get it, um, it's like being more of a machine rather than a musician too. Like, it's a very unique book, yeah. So as far as getting somebody to learn that kind of stuff, do they have to come into uh, your pit and practice on, on your actual rig, or is there something that people can do at home to emulate that? Because I guess it would be kind of difficult for somebody to do that. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I don't have the ability to, like, have all the sounds and send them to someone. Like, I don't. So they have to come to the theater couple times um, to like work on the pad um, and like in certain also in certain times because you have to wait for everything else to be ready and it's like electronic so you cannot just show up and play so it depends on the theater schedule because it's so specific so yeah they have to come uh, two or three times at least to have the time to go over every single song and like my book is like kind of a conductor's um, book because you have to know all the parts. It's not only percussion, it's like brass, strings, percussion, guitar, um, so a lot of things. So if you don't know what to listen for, 
you're not gonna know if you're play you're playing it correctly or not because it's mixing with the track at the same time. So sometimes um, you think like the track has what you're playing, but no, it's like you. And like if you don't know the part very well, like there's no way for you to know who is playing what. Do you kind of have to? Do you have to almost memorize your your book in order to to get it right, or is it? No, I don't think you have to memorize it because a lot of stuff is written on the book. Um, so as long as you know what to listen for when, uh, you it's fine. But um, it takes just it just takes takes time because you have to be like in the theater in certain like times. It's not like you can be there three hours practicing like other shows on the drum set or something. Um, no, it's like couple minutes well half an hour or so so you have to plan to be there a couple times um but once you know what to listen for then you can adjust and yeah just you can find that pocket out of the pocket it's very weird <laughs> <laughs> so besides being a good person and a great uh musician what do you think is the most important thing that any drummer slash percussionist should know about being a success on Broadway? Oh man, one thing? Yeah, or <laughs> many things. Uh, cook, cook and bring food. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I mean, that helps, but. <laughs> um, I guess just somebody to uh i mean obviously everyone is already in a very high music level you know um so that's i think that's a given uh but i think what makes a difference is uh whoever you can work better with you know like uh who and again for me somebody who's respectful responsible uh, that you can trust, that you can trust that they're gonna do a good job on your book, uh, that you can trust that they're gonna let you know, you know, when can they do it, and that they're gonna be there for you if you need them, especially as a sub. So uh, that's why we also have different people, right? Because some of them are busy and stuff. But um, also, I guess someone honest that tells you what they need. Uh, and when when do they need it? Especially as a sub, uh, it's stressful, you know, like to play a show only one time and and have one shot. So uh, for them to be prepared, I think there should be good communication of what they need and um, when can they do it. Uh, so, but I think everything comes down to be able to have good relationships uh, with people around you. Like, obviously be a good worker, but be able to have good relationships and be yourself. Like, you know, like don't try hard to be a good person or don't try hard to do something. It's just like, if that's you, that's you. If it's not you, it's not. You know, like I always rather someone like transparent than someone else trying to be something that they're not. What advice would you give to someone that's interested in playing drums for Broadway shows? Um, to get to know people, to get to know people that they're doing what they want to do. Uh, and to, you know, like talk with them, hang out with them, uh, make friends with them if you can. Uh, but again, all honest, you know, like 
all like true relationships sometimes you meet someone and you know you don't become friends and it's fine you know but you know each other and that's totally fine you don't have to like you know push or anything it's just organically that those things happen and um yeah at some point if they know what you're doing how you do it they're gonna call you for one thing or another so i at least that's how like i kind of got into it just to know people that they do what i wanted to do and eventually i got the shot and be patient i guess be patient and resilient how does somebody uh get to know the musicians that are on broadway like what do you recommend somebody do in order to get to know our, our colleagues well, when I did it, I used to reach out to them and go watch them play from the pit. Um, I met some of them in my school, like, you know, having lessons with Javier or other musicians in master classes and just reaching out to people. Like right now, I think that's even easier than before, like when I moved here. Uh, because now we have so many things to reach out to people like Instagram, Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, text. So I, th I think the challenge now is know how to reach to people because reaching out is part of it, but also be sensitive to that person because, you know, like maybe they don't want to know about you right now. And that's okay. Like it's fine, you know, like maybe not now but uh, learn how to know that, like not, not to push it too much or not to do it, like, you know, extremes not. So just be like, yeah, sensitive to other people's needs. And um, so reach out and don't give up if that's what you really want. Uh, I know that you're playing electronics on stage at six, but when you're not playing on stage with six and playing those electronic instruments what kind of gear do you use actually i don't play on stage i'm the only one on the pit oh really so i'm not on stage yeah oh. um yeah so which is cool really really wait cool. are you the only one in the pit yeah it's discrimination yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's great i i like it i like it so that's why you could be down there telling jokes right exactly <laughs> exactly imagine me telling jokes in the stage it will be it will look weird ah, that's uh, funny okay yeah yeah but anyway what kind of uh right now i'm doing a, a lot of drums and i'm gonna be subbing for elena as well so i learned that book uh i'm just waiting to get called for that so uh my gear my gear is uh Pearl, all pearl stuff. Um, um, uh, how do you say this word? I forgot. They're my sponsors. <laughs> They're my sponsors. Okay. And uh, so I use all pearl, and I have Mexican marimba. I brought a Mexican marimba from Mexico years ago, like a traditional Mexican marimba. So I also like work on that. And um, but yeah, pretty much everything like hand drums. Um, accessories for orchestral stuff that sometimes I do or for the shows like orchestral part uh, all is Adams and Pearl but yeah at the moment I'm doing more drum set for the show so you haven't had a chance to sub for Elena yet not yet okay. yeah okay. not yet but Soon it's coming though. that's great yeah. 
what other projects are you working on at the moment? Do you doing are you doing much outside of the show? Uh, not at the moment, but I have a workshop coming up, uh, and there's going to be a lot of Latin percussion. So I'm really excited. It's going to be a lot of congas and timbales and like all that like salsa uh, rhythm. So I'm very excited about that. We start next week. I might be with New Heaven Symphony in March. And in May, we're probably gonna have. It's, we need to figure. We need to figure it out. But it seems that we might go to Miami with the ensemble to play a couple of concerts with Excelsis. And so far, that's it. If COVID doesn't bring everything out, <laughs> let's, let's stay positive with that, and let's make sure that everything good happens to you, and the show runs for at least at least six years. <laughs> Yes! Oh my god, I like that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's make that happen, people. Come on. Yes, Come on and yes. see the show. Put some good vibes out there. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, a lot of people don't like this question, but I'm going to ask mm. it anyway. Your top five drummers of all time. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Who are your, some of your influences? Forget the top five then. Okay, uh, it's just I'm really bad with names. <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, one of my huge influences is obviously Shilai, um, because, you know, uh, first of all, I, I'm pretty sure I saw her brothers in that concert with Santana, like in Mexico, because they used to play with him. So I'm pretty sure it was them. So, um, that and then she's a woman she's a badass she was a badass in even a different time like when you know like when she was playing there were even less uh, female drummers around uh, so she I'm sure she had all these challenges and uh, I've read about her like she wrote a book and all the stuff and her dad is Mexican so there's a lot of things that yeah I look of uh, to her not only playing like also like her life's uh, experiences and her style and everything and yeah she's I think she's one of my big, biggest influences uh, on drumming. Steve Gadd, I love Steve Gadd. You ever get a chance to meet Sheila E yet? Not yet. Mm. I wrote to her once but she never answered. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about playing shows, you know, it's different now, unfortunately, but in the future, when things uh, get better, when you have a show, a lot of people come see the show and they come backstage. And I met so many of my heroes growing up. I was like, oh my God, that's LL Cool J. That's Peyton Manning. That's Kenneth Gamble. That's, you know, Jennifer Hudson. You know, you start meeting at Smokey Robinson and everybody comes to see your show and Sonia Sotomayor. I'm like, oh my God. And Hillary Clinton. And one day you're going to be like, oh my God, that's Sheila E. She's backstage. Finally. Uh, yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. And Steve Gadd and, uh, and all your, your, all... yeah, Leslie was there. <laughs> so where can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm more on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Mariana underscore drums. Uh, I might change it for Mariana underscore little bits. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got that nickname in a, in a gig not too long ago and I really like it. Wait, little what? 
Little Bits, B-E-A-T-S, Bits. Uh, cool. But yeah, for, for now it's Marianne underscore uh, drums nice. in Instagram. <laughs> so if anybody needs to reach you, they can they can look at your all of your social media there. Yeah, I also have a website, ismarianapercussion.com, and like there's all my stuff there too. Great. Well, it was a pleasure getting to know you and talking to you, and uh, <laughs> I can't wait for people to see this instead of just hearing, because you know you, you're putting up <laughs> great signs. Which we're gonna keep putting up because. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> six, go see six. Go see Mariana and Elena. And maybe if you listen closely, you can hear jokes being told in between songs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, you won't hear that. But no, you won't maybe. hear that. But that would be funny if one day, you know, somebody pipes in or connects your mic to the, the speakers out, <laughs> out front. Oh, man. Maybe not rehearsal. <laughs> Oh, actually, I did have that happening one time. It was, yeah, it was funny. Everybody heard. What, they they put your mic in the speakers in the house? Yeah, we were in rehearsals, like, before previews, and I said something, yeah. But it was very funny. <laughs> oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it because it's a little, like, Eve, but... <laughs> a little risque? Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank yeah. you, Mariana. I really appreciate you taking time out, and it was great to talk to you. And and uh, go see Six if you can, because I definitely need to see it. Yeah, yeah. Come, come and say hi. <laughs> I will definitely do that. Thank you for having me. No problem. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. Head over to the Broadway Drumming 101 YouTube page where you'll find unedited conversations that I've had with some of your favorite musicians. On the YouTube page, you're going to find bonus content that I don't feature on my Instagram page or here on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and click on that little bell at the top so that you'll be notified when a new video is uploaded. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more.